Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, how many of you have never heard of the game show Jeopardy? Good. We all know that it has three rounds of Jeopardy, Double Jeopardy, and Final Jeopardy, where the answer is given and the contestants have to come up with the question. And usually the Final Jeopardy answer is more difficult than the previous questions. Well, this was the answer for a Final Jeopardy once that stumped all three of the contestants. The category was Corporate America. And the answer was, this company is the world's largest distributor of toys. Now, that stumped everybody. Most of them thought Walmart, nah, not even close. The correct question is, what is McDonald's? They are the world's largest distributor of toys. And that reminded me of a time when I brought my own granddaughter to a McDonald's and of course she wanted a Happy Meal. And I got the food, set it down at the table. I went back to get some napkins at the counter. And she screams across the restaurant, Grandpa, they forgot my free toy. And I looked over and I said, okay. And then I looked around and I saw all these other grandmas and grandpas uh, with their grandchildren and all of these Happy Meals. And then I, the thought just came to me. I have a, sometimes my thoughts are kind of strange. I, I thought, free toy? Did I have to pay for that free toy? Yeah, it's not free to me. No, it's free to my granddaughter, sure. And during this Easter season, I think we need to remember, yes, Scripture says salvation is free. It's free to us because Jesus Christ paid for our sins. So let's remember that for the next several weeks as we go through the Easter season. And as I thought about the, the, my granddaughter and children in general, and then the text, of course, talks about doubting Thomas. Well, the thing that I love, I think, most about children is their, the way in which they believe. Now, I don't think they have a greater ability to believe than adults, but I think that what sets children apart from adults is that they doubt less than adults do. In other words, we grown-ups, we let our doubts cloud our ability to believe. We read of a glorious resurrection event of the Lord Jesus where the, the Lord, after his death and his, after his resurrection, presents himself to most of the 12 who had gathered. Unfortunately, Thomas wasn't there. And unfortunately, Thomas's absence 
from this wonderful gathering set a chain of events that gave him the title that even now, some 2,000 plus years later, he just can't seem to shake, the title of Doubting Thomas. You know, I think that often it's easy for us modern folk who live 2,000 some years removed from the resurrection of Jesus, it's easy for us to look down upon those poor folk who lived with Jesus and doubting what they actually saw with their own eyes. I mean, we have a Bible that tells us all about the Lord and the events leading up to the, his death and resurrection. Many of us learned about it as we went through catechism classes and confirmation classes from Luther's catechism. It teaches us about Jesus' death and resurrection. We have creeds that tell us all about them. And you've heard preachers preach on the subject for years. So yeah, we can understand how those poor folk who never had these wonderful learning tools might have doubted Jesus. It's easy to do, isn't it? Well, as we look at this lesson of Doubting Thomas, I want you to keep one question in the back of your mind. What is it that sets us apart from those early Christians when it comes to doubting Jesus' work on the cross? Remember, many of these early Christians were actually eyewitnesses to these events. So yeah, they didn't have our Bible, but they saw Jesus. They saw his miracles. Some of them saw him crucified and hanging on a cross. Many others witnessed his resurrection with their own eyes. So what makes us different or better than they? Why can't we believe like the kids do. Well, I'm going to start with myself. This past week, with all the turmoil between daily radiation treatments for me and problems with Marion dealing with her mother's illness in Indiana, nothing peaceful was in our house. Oh, yeah, the doctors say that, oh, everything's good but I have my doubts. What is it that makes me or you any different than Thomas? As Jesus entered the room for the first time when Thomas wasn't there, he made that beautiful statement, peace be with you. What a glorious statement. Because remember, Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Jesus is the great I am that Moses spoke with. And Jesus was there standing in their midst. So here, as Jesus says, peace be with you. The word peace is not only referring to Jesus, who is our peace, but to the state of being as we believers have in our hearts which is peace. Of course, the second appearance was a time when Thomas was present. And of course, both times contain a miracle. 
The doors were locked. The windows were shut. Jesus didn't knock on the door. He just appeared to them. And how does the Lord greet the disciples the second time? The same way. Peace be with you. Jesus is saying, peace is standing right here in front of you. Because you know and believe in me. Thomas then gets his requested opportunity to touch the Lord, to see the marks of his crucifixion, the marks visible even on his glorified body. Now at this point in verse 28, Thomas, this doubting Thomas guy, who's been made fun of for thousands of years now, makes one of the most profound statements we find in Scripture. He says, my Lord and my God. Thomas understood who it was who was standing right there in front of him. And Thomas understood what the great I am of the Bible had done for him, for the other disciples in the locked room, for every Jew in the area, for every believer everywhere in all times, past, present, and future. You see, to really understand the relevance, the importance, the lesson for us, when we hear a Jew make the statement, my Lord and my God, we can understand the amazing lesson that Thomas learned for himself and for us. I mean, let's consider for a moment why did the Jews hate Jesus so? Why did they drag him in front of Pilate to be crucified? It was because Jesus claimed to be God. In their eyes, Jesus was not only breaking the first commandment, but he was committing the most hideous form of blasphemy they knew of. In fact, they thought it was so bad that the high priest literally tore his garments in reaction to Jesus' words. There was no doubt in the minds of these doubting Jews who Jesus was claiming to be. And for that, they killed him. So as Thomas, doubting Thomas, really understands who Jesus is and what the Lord had done for him and for us, he makes that statement, my Lord and my God. Thomas was openly acknowledging the fact that the God of the universe was standing right in front of him, triumphant over sin and death. Thomas understood that God took upon himself human flesh, lived among us, taught us, healed us, ate with us, cried with us, laughed with us, loved us, and loved us so much that he died for us. You see, who else but God himself could save us from our sins? In that moment, Thomas understood all of this. He didn't have Luther's catechism or our New Testament 
or the words of any great preacher. Thomas learned his lesson by having lived through the events of those 2,000 years ago, culminating in his own examination and conversation with the resurrected Lord himself. In that moment, Thomas knew God himself was standing before him, and God himself had saved him and all believers from sin, death, and Satan. Thomas's confession is no different than the statement that Jesus made in front of the Sanhedrin for which they killed him. As I opened my message this morning, I asked you to think about what it is that makes you and me different from this doubting Thomas guy. You know, in the light of what we just looked at, instead of looking down on this doubting Thomas, it really makes us appreciate the amazing lesson that he learned and even more profound statement that Thomas makes in that moment. Far from being a doubting Thomas, this disciple becomes one of amazing faith. So what's the difference between you and me and Thomas? Well, for one thing, you and I have never seen Jesus Christ with our own eyes. We've never had the opportunity to touch his hands and his side and to see the nail prints in his feet. By the way, uh, I saw a really profound bumper sticker the other day. The bumper sticker read, I believe in body piercing. Well, this bumper sticker wasn't referring, though, to some bar you stick through your nose or into your chin or your tongue. Because alongside of those words, I believe in body piercing, there was a picture of a cross and the nails that went through Jesus' hands. That's kind of a neat bumper sticker. We believe in body piercing. It's our faith in Jesus that brings us the grace and peace that Jesus earned for us on the cross. Through our faith, we are pierced on that cross, just as Jesus was. Through our faith, we die on that cross, just as Jesus died. We die to sin and we are born again to new life, everlasting life. See the common theme? It's faith. Jesus' last remarks to Thomas that we are recorded are, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And of course, no sermon is complete without a little foreign language in it. Luther says, we are simul justus et peccator. Anybody know what that means? It means we're simultaneously saint and sinner. We simultaneously have a relationship with sin and a relationship with Jesus. So, do we doubt at times? Well, remember when 
every liturgy in church always had the saying, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Do we doubt? Well, of course we do. So what makes us any different than doubting Thomas? The answer, nothing. We have faith. Jesus' last words on the cross were, it is finished. Salvation was procured through Jesus' death and then his resurrection on the third day. Now Jesus is risen from the dead. Jesus lives and God claims us to be his own. God continues to offer us grace and peace through the means of grace, through reading scripture, through baptism. And also when we come and literally consume his body and blood in and with and under the bread and the wine. Yes, we do stumble and fall. But you see, it's finished. Salvation is ours. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us in the weeks ahead to remember that Jesus paid the price for our sin. Help us to reach out to others and live our faith. To be gracious and merciful to others, even as he was gracious and merciful to us. In his name we pray. Amen.